I'm Tom Piper. I'm the designer of Long Day's Journey and Tonight. So I've worked with Dominic on a range of shows at the Citizens Theatre, um, Hamlet, Lear, The Libertine, uh, Endgame. So it's quite a long uh, collaboration. I think the thing that connects all the shows that I've done here with Tom and Dominic is the, is the idea of the theatre as a kind of machine. I think this one is slightly different because... The, the space, in a way, is a little bit more literal than the other spaces that we've done here, in that there is a representation of a house that the family lives in, whereas with the other shows that I've done here, the space has been more uh, like a found space in which the play then takes place. I mean, a found space that we've created. Uh, so it looks like you're just walking into industrial space. For instance, in this play, if you look carefully through the set, you can see the back wall and the side walls of the theatre, but a lot of what you're seeing is not real. I suppose when working with Dominic, we're always trying to find a uh, a very open, honest, uh, but also kind of quite theatrical response to the piece. Uh, quite often... Uh, quite rough using the bare space the bare theater never using kind of traditional masking so all the lights are in view and very often we we expose to the back wall and the side walls of the theater but then I make a series of sort of interventions into the theater that you know you may not be that aware of so some fake walls that allow actors to get to certain places or extra beams or extra girders or or whatever um and then I guess there's a great reliance on the actors and uh, us all engaging in our kind of imaginations to transport us to somewhere. The stage directions are very specific in this play about the look of the light, and they're very good stage directions. Sometimes stage directions are not great. Miller's stage directions sometimes tend to be descriptions of the original production rather than his vision of what the play should look like. O'Neill is very clear, very specific. He's describing quite a naturalistic space. So what's the challenge about working with Tom and Dominic and O'Neill is following those naturalistic cues and yet at the same time not creating a kind of period piece. Obviously the set really helps with that, as you'll see when you see the set. It's a wonderful combination of naturalism and a, a more poet, a more poetic space. I followed quite strictly, in some respects, the times of day, and yet the kind of colours that I'm using are very extreme. We start with a very gold, in a very kind of golden sunlit space for the morning, and a real sense of optimism about the space. And by the end, we're in this kind of very dank green space, as if the fog has completely taken over the whole house. Was trying to express the sense of fog, which features hugely in the play, with the light. Light itself is actually not terribly expressive, but it can be very memorable. And so it's possible to connect a, a visual idea in the lighting with what people are saying, so that it then takes on that thing. I don't think that lighting would suggest fog to you if nobody was talking about fog, but because it's connected with people talking about fog, I'm thinking and hoping that you get that sense of the fog enveloping the whole space. So Long Day's Journey Into Night is set in a, uh, 
a sort of potentially quite grand seaside house somewhere in kind of New England, uh, sort of where they go for the summer to escape the heat of the city. And so on one level, it's got the sort of feeling of a, this grand house, but also it's, it's not really a home. The characters talk quite often about it not really feeling like their home. There's a sense that, that James Tyrone doesn't really invest in it or look after it. Uh, and there's also a kind of wider sense of a slightly purgatorial thing within the play that the characters are acting the same day almost over and over again. Uh, and so... I begin with a feeling of what what is the reality of this house and what's its architecture and you know where's the front door and where's the where are the routes to various places and then through the design process gradually started trying to sort of strip that away um, and kind of revealing the bones of the house really to sort of stripping away all of the the clapperboard that would have been on the outside and the plasterboard that would have been inside and I've ended up with a the skeleton really of the house it's it's wooden carcass um and then within it there's a sort of staircase there's, there's a lot in the play of what happens when Mary goes upstairs and people being aware of her moving upstairs and is she taking the morphine or not uh uh the sense of her kind of almost haunting the the male characters down below um and eventually she goes up to the attic and or finds her wedding dress somewhere and kind of comes down a bit like a ghost with this wedding dress. So the stairs for me became a very important part of the design and initially I'd wanted the stairs to go right up way into the fly so that she sort of disappeared uh, right out of view, but we couldn't manage that. But we've ended up with a kind of an, an eerie a kind of stairs that um, which we've placed her wedding dress on so that you're kind of aware of this you don't quite know what it is to begin with but there's this thing hanging over the the space from the word go um, and then when I was having a design meeting with Dominic uh, we were looking at the skeletal structure and then I actually showed him I was doing some building work in my house and there was this polythene plastic sort of separating one bit of a room for another and, and we both loved the way that when you see through that everything looks misty and there's a lot of talk in the play about fog and the fog coming down which is both literally the fog of of the weather coming in from the coast and also the fog of addiction um and so we started we ended up cladding the set in in plastic like this sort of builder's plastic that gives translucent views through but but slightly hazy through to other spaces so that you can see them in the dining room and you can see her Mary when she goes and sits at the piano and wants to play it but they're kind of quite removed from us and we see them at a distance so it's both a real space and a dream space at the same time that's that's the idea I think. Sculpturally as always with Tom it's a fantastic object to light that's wonderful and so that's marvellous so it's like a playground for me from that point of view. What's wonderful about the plastic is that the plastic actually has this slightly foggy look about it, and so it kind of gives you the sense of the fog that in, that invades the play. It also is the plaster, if you like, of the walls, and so uh, it, it kind of gives the walls a sort of solidity that you can see through. So it isn't just a skeleton of a house. There's actually something more solid there. The wonderful opportunities to see people when they can't, when they can't be seen by other people in the play, how they are, and then they turn a corner and smile and they can now be seen. And we get to see all of that, which is wonderful. 
but it's like a, a ruined house of ghosts. I mean, one of the challenges really is that you're just in the one space over the course of the day in a, in a three and a quarter hour long play. So how does it develop and change? Some of that comes through clothes, you know, that it begins, I think, in in quite a positive sort of frame of mind, you know, and, and the sunlight is streaming into the room and we've got uh, the back wall I've sort of painted, sprayed a kind of uh, a light bluey grey, so Ben Ormerod lights that so that you get the sense of of daytime and light streaming in and, and there's a kind of great positivity and you don't, as an audience, know what's going on and, and there's kind of quite light colours in in all the clothes and then gradually it gets kind of darker and more melancholy both in terms of the light and the sense of the fog coming in but we we changed the clothes of the uh, the actor so Mary ends up in a dark blue dress and uh, Edmund is in dark colours as well so it kind of gradually gets sort of more and more sombre and then lighting wise you kind of lose the sense of the rest of the world around the the skeletal structure and it becomes more and more about the just this sort of uh, the skeleton of the house imprisoning the characters and uh, so as you sort of discover more about them it's almost like they become more imprisoned in this world uh, and more and more trapped in it but we did talk about period with this production and we and we do with with lots of the you know the other productions that we've done and I suppose the most period was the libertine but it was written uh, in the 20th century uh, and therefore I always feel that you um you sort of have three periods to to play with when you're approaching a play initially. You have the period that it was set in, the period it was written in, and now. Uh, and in a sense, so with O'Neill, you've got it's sort of set in 1914, but it was written in the, I think, the 40s. Um, and then we're doing it now. So you've got those particular uh, periods to kind of to mine. And I suppose I consciously try and make sure that the costume doesn't get too overly fussy and detailed about period you try and keep the shapes and the silhouettes but don't go in for lots of little uh, extra sort of uh, uh, details which so sort of allow the actors to breathe a bit more and they, they don't become like uh, you know like we haven't got starched collars and we haven't you know so we've deliberately not gone down what would be true period route uh, for the for the clothes uh, and then I suppose it's in the choice of materials, and especially in this, I guess it's the Dominic very consciously wanted the plastic that we use to be a contemporary material. So there's there's that, in a sense, you know, that we're seeing this play through contemporary eyes, and so there are these sort of you know seeing it through the plastic, and then of course you you're exposing all of the theatre lights, so you see all of those. That's all twentieth, twenty first century technology that's sort of there in view. Uh, and I quite like in the play the way that there's such a fuss about electric light um, and and we've sort of again almost deliberately gone for as clear as possible shades or even bare light bulbs so that this is sort of quite an extreme sort of quite brutal quality because I think you know when electric light first came in I think it probably, you know you didn't have any of these soft tones that we're all into now it was all kind of you know quite harsh uh, but I like the kind of the harsh quality it gives, you know, that this is a, a new technology in 1914, kind of exposing the characters and exposing what's going on in their lives. There is this whole narrative about the light bulbs. Tyrone has this thing about 
being very stingy with the lights and keeping them turned off. But there is something interesting that happens when people turn on lots of lights, which is that they then reveal a lot about themselves, and then they turn them off again. And that happens quite a few times in the second half of the play. So it's not just about Tyrone's stinginess, it's also about revelation in light. So therefore, it's important, and and this is where O'Neill, like any poet, takes a natural object and then metamorphoses it into something more profound. And he does it with the light bulbs. It's important, therefore, to follow that story about people being in the dark and then being in the light. And in the light, they then reveal things that they wouldn't reveal otherwise. I've taken enormous liberties with the brightness of the light under various circumstances. So sometimes there'll be one bulb on, but it will be extremely bright because in that scene, there is an enormous kind of revealing confrontation between two characters, and that's why O'Neill has turned the light on. Then later on, when that light is on, it's very dark, because it's now it's about the meanness of Tyrone, but then he, in a power of conscience, turns on all the lights, and then there's a very bright scene again, in which two characters reveal a great deal to each other, and then those lights are turned out again. The challenge, which I hope we've addressed, is that or the danger of a play like this is that you could, if you take it too naturalistically and get too into the kind of, you know, the detail of what that might have been there, then you then it all gets bogged down in quite a sort of mundane or, you know, a, could become a very oppressive piece. But I think by liberating it, hopefully not with a an imposing concept you, you hope that you know your interpretation um, allows the play to breathe and allows more possibilities and it certainly allows us to sort of see characters in new lights be able to sort of there are certain scenes where you know um, like when Mary goes and reminisces about that she should have been once be a concert pianist and she goes up into the area where the piano is and she sort of drapes herself across the piano and talks and and we watch Kathleen the maid sort of downstage and and Mary is sort of miked and sort of strange echoey voice that comes sort of ghost-like from the back that kind of gives a whole kind of new meaning to it I think rather than simply it being yet more sort of dialogue of three people sitting around a table so we've, we've tried to use the space in, in quite bold ways and, and certainly having being able to see you know characters that are being talked about by the people in the rooms sort of wandering around above I think gives it an extra sort of poetic level uh, which sort of gives us both visual and emotional variety as as the play goes along it's difficult because I have been on I have had long collaborations with directors where there's been not enough discussion in the end about what we were going to do together but 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 with Tom and Dominic, I don't feel that is the case. And uh, we just understand the kind of world that we're all trying to uh, create together. And we all do it in our very individual ways. Um, that's what's so interesting about that collaboration is, is that we're not trying to be each other. We're all just trying to be ourselves as much as we can. And then this one thing emerges out of that.